Welcome to Big Footy Cats Podcast, Episode 3 for Season 2016. Uh, my name is Willow, and tonight we are joined by three of our board's uh, top-shelf posters to have a look at how we've started the season and to discuss all the big issues. Uh, we've got returning after a best-on-ground performance in his debut last time, Turbo Cat. G'day, guys. How are you, mate? I'm fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you again for being involved. We've got joining us again. He's now become a regular Cat Empire. Greetings. Thanks for having me again. No worries, mate. Thank you for being here. And we've got a debutante who's joining us, obviously, for the first time, Cat Storm. How are you going, everyone? Thank you for being part of it. And a very big thank you, actually, because Cat Storm comp. Uh, contacted me, uh, he he responded to the call out and offered his services, so we're very happy to have him part of it. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So, we're looking at round three, uh, two games down, mixed results. Uh, last time we we had a show, we were, we were previewing the Hawthorne, Geelong Hawthorne game on Easter Monday, and I don't think we could have been much happier with the result, with uh, the Cats getting away with a 30-point win. We had a bit of a, a nap in the third quarter, as we seem to do, but pretty much dominant. We're pretty much, well, I think, safely say the better team for the for the majority of the game. Um, we were sort of tossing up whether it was a must-win or not, wasn't it? That's what we were sort of thinking at the time, whether it was a, if we don't get them now, when are we going to get them? Yeah. And, it, and, uh, nice. and I... I sort of thought that, oh, well, even if we don't get them, I think we could be better. But, uh, yeah, I think we did pretty well. What was you... What I suppose, what are the... What were you resounding for, thoughts from the game, Turbo? Well, I, a bit like what we did, talking about there, like, I think that the, the first and the, the fourth quarter was probably the best. Third quarter, we appeared to go to sleep, although... I think the the third quarter sort of chimes in a little bit with what happened round two. We have been tending to waste chances. We're not really clean. Um, the like we get the opportunities, but wasted like poorly at the you know we have two or three chances I think in that third quarter to stop the stop the tie from Hawthorne, and you don't really want to give those guys a a run on. But overall. And like we fought back when they got in front, so you know, definitely a pass. Yeah, absolutely. Cat Storm. Yeah, just going on with the the third quarter. I thought a pivotal moment of that third, third quarter was the um, Mackie poster running straight through the centre of the ground. He hits that, and I think we've got them stopped. But well, see, that's another example of exactly what I'm saying about because like Mackie poster in the in that game, Bartel on the second. You know, it's sort of and. I bet you they nail them, you know, eight times out of ten at training. So it's just a waste of opportunity. Yeah, but, yeah you know. definitely. I think there was a lot of. I think the third quarter, as much as we, as much as we did let them back into it, and it gave a lot of people who like to bring up the same repeat points the motivation to say we were no good, we drop off after half time, it's all Scott's fault, etc. I watched the game, uh, I think it was this time last week actually, and did a bit of a review, quarter by quarter breakdown of it all. And my, when I actually watched it properly without the stress of being caught up in the game and, and the scoreboard, <laughs> because I couldn't, yes. I couldn't have even told you after the game who was commentating, because I had no idea. I was just into it, just wound up and into the game. But when I actually watched it back, the Hawks took the most of their opportunities. They killed us on turnover. When we made when we turned the ball over they hurt us, but a lot of the turnovers were our own doing. Just missed handballs that you shouldn't miss, missed kicks that you shouldn't miss. And then on top of that, we we missed opportunities we should have kicked. Gregson missed a 
Phillips set shot. Mackey missed on the run. Uh, Hawke gave away two free kicks in about 30 seconds at the start of the quarter. There was a series of little things I noticed where, if, uh, granted, they were the better team for the quarter, and I'm not disputing that, but I don't think the gap was as big or it was as bad a quarter as it potentially the scoreboard showed. We, if we'd taken a couple of chances, it would have been a completely different quarter. That's true. Although to counterbalance that, I think the efficiency score on our side of it, what were we at halftime at? 11-1? Yeah. So that probably distorted it a little bit too. Yeah, that's true. It probably balanced itself out. Well, the clearance numbers in that third quarter, because it just seemed to me that they were breaking out of the centre better than us. Yeah, spot on, I reckon. Um, I don't know the actual numbers, but my view from it, at the ground was that that was really what changed in the third quarter. They got numbers around the contests and were doing much better at um, beating us at their clearances, which we absolutely dominated up to halftime. And I think that's going to reflect our fortunes over the year and we'll come to the, to the round two game shortly, but um, we're playing a style of game that where we want to win the contested ball and win the clearances and, um, Doing that over the course of the game is going to give us the win, um, hopefully. But when we drop even for a quarter like we did in that third quarter against Hawthorne, um, good sides are going to going to be able to fight back and get on top. And that's what we saw, I thought, against Hawthorne. I did a, I did a little bit of a, a look-see at the, the centre setup because we were talking about whether Smith was actually doing as good as what some... Plaudits were saying that that he uh, that he was, and I think we got really two uh, proper clearing chances. I think it was right at the start where Hawkins gave the free kick away, and the other one was where it ended up in Mackey's hands. The rest of the time, it it ended up going Hawthorne's way. I think. I think as well, and I remember posting at the time during the game. I think at three quarter time, saying was Smith in the middle of that quarter. But then, when I watched it back again, yeah. he was played nowhere near as much in the middle as I thought he was for the whole game anyway. I think the second no. quarter, Stanley no, was in the ruck the majority. That's, that's what I did. I, went, I, I think I, Stanley rucked more than Smith did that match. Yeah, yeah. yeah he did. Yeah. So really, some of, the, some of the stuff that we've been doing well is probably just as much Stanley, if not more than Smith. I think it was a bit of a horses-for-courses type situation that game in that Smith forward was working, he was applying yeah, exactly. a lot of pressure, yep. and Stanley in the middle was, he wasn't getting, McAvoy had I would suggest minimal influence on the game. And what was the other ruckman, Pittnett, he yeah. did absolutely nothing. Yeah, and he was a first game teenager, so he's probably, he's up against it to start with, but Stanley did well, and Smith was doing well in the forward line, and he's he got he got three or four chase down tackles for a bloke that's 206 centimetres that's that's unheard of basically for the way he was chasing and the pressure he was creating in the forward line uh, I when I watched it back again I was I was surprised at how few centre bounces he actually was in for was there mm. what I suppose Cat Empire you mentioned you, you were at the game Easter Monday what was what was it that you took away from the game um, I think, as I said in the podcast, prior to the game, what I wanted to see was that we had a different plan for Hawthorne and then we were able to execute it because what we'd been doing for the last couple of seasons wasn't working. And that was the most pleasing thing, I think, was that um, we were able to really get on top in the midfield and dictate how we wanted the game to be played. And um, in particular, we know how good Hawthorne is at uh, moving the ball by foot, and we just didn't we just didn't give them that opportunity. We shut down their space, and we pressured the ball carrier to such an extent that they turned it over, and and we got opportunities going the other way. So that was really pleasing. Um, there were obviously some good individual performances as well from Smith and um, a few others. Um, obviously, the the one and only Paddy Dangerfield was pretty unbelievable um, to see him in the flesh. Um, was just a sight to behold, really. Uh, I think every time I see him play, I think I can't believe how good he is and how lucky we are that we got him. Um, so, yeah, that was just amazing seeing. 
in that first hand. Did you see anything, I suppose, different? Did you pick up anything different um, structurally or, or just with the way we set up across the ground from from our previous previous years? Uh, I don't think it was so much structurally. I think that the um, it was a similar setup in terms of where the players positioned themselves on the ground and the um, and the the zone that we played um, was pretty typical of what we've seen in the last few years. I think what happens is though when and again we'll, we'll talk about this in relation to the second game, but when we set up a zone and we don't have that pressure on the ball carrier. Teams who have decent foot skills are just able to pick their way through it too easily. Um, but against Hawthorne, we had the pressure right on Song and we were tackling ferociously and um, winning the contests and that meant that they just didn't have the time. So I think it wasn't so much about structure, apart from the obvious few key personnel differences. It was more about how we played um, and how we how intense we were at the ball. Yep, and... Catstorm, we've sort of lost. We got halfway through, and then we we diverted off from you. What were you? What did you take out of out of our Easter Monday clash? Um, I think it's going to be a recurring theme. But what I've noticed is, is if we don't win the ball, we're poor at stopping other teams doing what they want to do with it. So we have to get in there hard and actually get the contested ball because once they have it, they seem to be able to get through us with fair amount of ease that's more of something probably I noticed in the second game than the first one but yeah it's it's probably something though that was also shown up I suppose in that third quarter to an extent when we when their midfield did get on top we obviously did get shown up that bit as well I think our pressure game isn't actually that good that was the difference I thought we were a bit poor when we don't win the contested ball. We don't get enough pressure. They seem to be able to just work it through. I think that's right, but I, th- I think that's a bit of a, a a general phenomenon about the way footy's played these days. And we, we've seen in the first couple of rounds when things open up, um, and perhaps a couple of rule changes have helped in that regard, but um, when sides are able to move the ball under little pressure, then um, they can, they're can. they so skilled that they can pinpoint passes and they're so fast and strong as well that they um, can move the ball so quickly. Um, we're seeing a lot of high-scoring matches and Geelong's no different in that regard. I mean, and Hawthorne to that extent as well. We did it to them. You know, when we won the contests and... Um, when we turned the ball over, we moved it quickly and we scored heavily against them. It's no one's immune to it, really. It's the way footy's played now. Yeah. Um, if you don't bring the pressure, then you're going to be in all sorts. Oh, and I think as well, especially with the competition as even as it is, you only have to be off your game by that little bit, and, and it could be just that you're just not bringing that same intensity and pressure, and you can get opened up and exposed, and you can see a team that shouldn't get beaten. You know, by another team, you see that result happen. I mean, you look at Essendon and Melbourne on the weekend. That's probably a a key um, example of that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we went from uh, 30-point victors over the three-time reigning champs and being on top of the world. It literally was a case of... Uh, chocolates to boiled lollies in the next week wasn't it so we with after last week Ken the Sunday's game against GWS up in Canberra where we suffered a 13 point defeat Um, first quarter I felt we were probably the better team and we just wasted wasted chances then they were comfortably better probably for the the middle two quarters and then we gave them a late a burst late that you know, look, we for half a moment they looked like we were going to pinch it, uh, but unfortunately it was not to be. I'll start with you, Cat Empire, as I know you were at the game. Um, what what were your your thoughts from last weekend? Yeah, no, it, it follows on from the comments about the Hawthorne game because really all of the good things we saw in that game were largely lacking. Um, um, in particular, after I thought quarter time, when as you say we were, I thought we were on top in the first quarter, and 
Um, I agree with Scott's comments that we were doing all the right things in the first quarter except converting on the scoreboard. Um, those middle two quarters were just really poor in terms of the um, the pressure we applied. We, As I was saying, we set up the normal zone we set up, but we just gave GWS too much time and space on the ball and they picked their way through it. Um, and it's going to be the case that when teams are, are, are allowed to do that, um, our back line's going to be put under pressure and the opposition's going to score. And GWS was able to do that um, for those middle two quarters. And then in the last quarter, I'm not sure what happened, but we we turned it on its head again. And um, I thought we again showed all the right sort of um, uh, pressure and, and skills and turned things around. And, you know, really, we, we would have been lucky to win it at the end, but I also think we were a little bit unlucky as well. Like just a few, you know, Gregson missing that goal that he normally would have gobbled, and uh, like a couple of decisions went against us. Um, that they weren't the. I'm not pinning the blame on the umpires, but just a bit of luck going the other way. Like he, that free kick that wasn't paid to Lang in the middle of the ground, and then um, Dangerfield streaming forward and. He got paid for running too far. I actually haven't seen the replay and whether that was a fair enough free kick, but it didn't look like it at the time. Dermy um, counted 14 steps, I reckon. Yeah, it looked, looked harsh to me. Um, but, oh, I don't think it would have actually mattered. What was there, a minute left, and we were down by seven points? It would have taken something extraordinary to get up from there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. true. It fair probably point. just goes, though. Just We just had a run of sort of those 50-50 decisions that yep. went against us. And like the Henderson mark, which... Was just an atrocious decision, oh, yeah. exactly. And and especially, I reckon the extra impact of that is it's a new bloke in the team who's trying to find his feet, and and probably has been low on confidence at his other club, etc. Comes in, takes an absolutely fantastic pack mark in defence, and it doesn't get paid. And then they not only that they score a goal straight yeah. from from it as well and it's just oh what a kick in the guts that was yeah it was a crook centre bounce too wasn't there that, that, that yeah. sort of went their way and they got a goal from that lap and sneezed at the umpire and that was a free kick as well it <laughs> yeah just, it wasn't so you sort of know when it's going your way and against you and that sort of it wasn't just the like this is I suppose we getting into the area of free kicks and Chris Scott mentioning the free kicks I think there's some free kicks you can probably say you can control, but there's some things that you, you know, if it's not called, like a mark that's normally a mark, it's not called, I'm not sure what you're supposed to do about that. That's not part of the free kick tally, but it's certainly an, an effect on the game. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, good, good point. Uh, but I mean, just a couple but, other things, and I'll hand it over to, you, to the others, but in round one we had Dangerfield had 40 touches, our other midfielders... Um, uh, were prolific as well. They had um, we had Duncan and Selwood contributing in the middle as well. Against GWS, they had four players with more than twenty-five touches: Green, Scully, Griffin, and Shield. All prolific. We didn't have a single player get the ball more than twenty-four times, and Enright was our leading possession getter. We just we just didn't win the ball. Yeah, that's not good. It's just it was just we just got beaten in the middle. It was that simple. Um, and you know, as I said, we we could have pinched it, but we would have been lucky. The other thing that where we shot ourselves in the foot was missing opportunities in front of goal. Not just missing by you know hitting the post and missing easy goals, but we also were too unselfish in a couple of occasions. I, think, I can remember one where Hawkins passed off to Kirsten. He should have just gone back and kicked the goal. Um, another one did the same thing. Yeah, another one, person did the same thing. So we just didn't help ourselves. We, with a bit of luck, we could have won, but um, really, it was a bit, it was a disappointing performance. Yeah, like, I'm not sure whether it was poor choice to do it or bad execution because, like, Kirsten was sort of almost standing in the wrong spot to receive the ball. Was the pass bad or was? Oh, yeah, I'm. A little... Did he call for it? He, he was yes. on. That, I was down that end, and he he was. He Kirsten streamed into the, basically into the nearly into the goals square on his own. So 
it, it wasn't a terrible option, but, I, but the key... It shouldn't. He shouldn't do it. If you're the full no, forward, exactly, yeah. if you're full Hawkins forward and have... you're in fifty, you have a shot. If you take the exactly. mark, there's no just... unless there's a bloke in the all by himself with not anybody else. You know, fifty meters away. If they sneak down, and his opponent's on the fifty, that's a bit different. But you just take the shot. Just yeah. ta- own. You're one of the vo- you're one of the leaders of the team. Settle down and settle the team and just kick the goal yourself. Don't. Exactly don't right. Wear, wear it and own this shot yourself. That's what you're paid to do. Like, I find I I appreciate when blokes are unselfish and it and it and it can be a great thing. Like Gregson against Hawthorne when he intercepted that ball, didn't blaze away, passed it off, hit Lang up in the square, stuff like that. Fantastic. But if you take a mark and you can kick the goal, you should kick the goal. That's that's the that's the key thing there and like I'm not sure exactly where was he when he passed the ball he was just outside 50 I was inside 50 he was, I thought he was yeah inside. he was well inside yeah. oh well if he's inside 50 yeah there's no doubt um, I was so I haven't looked back at it but uh, I, I think it gets back to that. you should know what sort of you know chance you are to kick the goal if you if you think that you're a, you know you kick it 7 out of 10 times then go back and kick it Let's be honest, Hawk. We all know fifty is not a problem for him. If he's in the fifty, he can make the distance. So, you know, you're the leader of the forward line. You go back and set the example. Um, is he? Well, he should be. Well, <laughs> he's, he's actually, he's one of the vice captains. He's one of the more experienced yeah. in that area, in that area of the ground in particular. Well, if he's not, who is? That's right. Yes. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't seem to direct traffic very well. From what I've seen. He's too busy just wrestling with his opponent most of the time. Um, I suppose, what else? What, Catstone, what was your, I suppose, where did we, what was your your biggest issue with uh, the weekend? I suppose, where we lost the game, how did you see that unfolding? I think what we have is a general lack of just midfield pace. It didn't affect us much in against Hawthorne because generally, I mean, you look at Lewis, Mitchell, Hodge, they're not fast players. But when we were exposed to the GWS midfield and they've got players like Shield, like Scully, like Griffin, and they, they've got toe, we weren't able to actually keep up with them. They were too fast for us. And that's why in the fourth quarter, when they started to fatigue and slow down, that I believe that we started coming back at them. I think I suppose Cat Empire, you were at the you were at the game would see a different a different perspective of that. But it seemed like they just outworked us. Their mids just seemed to be streaming down the ground and running in numbers and Tom Scully just he was phenomenal the amount of ground he was covering. Um, I don't know if that was was it the, the speed of the spread, was it work rate? Where's it where did they get us? Yeah, I I remember last year in a lot of games, it was the midfield spread that killed us and the speed or the relative speed of the opposition against us that hurt us. Um, There was one game I went to in Adelaide where where, um, that was just so evident that we we didn't set up properly and then once the opposition got the ball, they, they were far too explosive. I didn't really see that against GWS, but I agree with you that they were working harder. And guys like Griffin and um, um, Scully, Scully was excellent, I thought. Probably the best game I've ever seen him play. Um, Toby Green as well. Um, it's been pretty good both weeks, Scully. Yeah. He's good against yeah, Melbourne too. He's That's why I sort of thought that we might good. actually you know, cover his run a bit. You know, like yeah. they use him so much, you know, to whether you run with him for a little while just to make sure he doesn't get because he just runs and runs and gets possession, runs and runs and gets possession. He he sort of plays like you know Shagger Burns used to, just keeps running and gets into space. He mightn't always kill you with that possession, but he's always there. It always continues the link. Mm-hmm. So, I think the only issue with that is is that we'd have to put blitz on him because I don't know if anyone else could actually run with him. Yeah, yeah he that's did, he did. He does have a very good tank, doesn't he? That's 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 what I was thinking to at least try it. You might have even got a mismatch, you know, trying to run run with him and then kick it to him because he would have outmarked him. That's for sure. But you know, I don't think our coach is thinking like that at the moment. 
I think it was, the point about the the speed. Another point of it is, I think it ties in with the work rate. If if you're not setting up as quickly or working as hard, that's and that that extra speed can actually can obviously help them expose expose us exposed us a lot more because they just once they got out they just seemed to be they were going on and on and on in the broadcast I and mean, like Brereton's a bit annoying especially when he's a bit a bit I was then, say a then, bit. G, then GWS one after the other um, and then about anti, the, and then anti Geelong so it was yeah. a perfect storm for it but <laughs> but the the speed coming out of the back line that they were talking about it you know like the, whether it's uh, getting blocked and we couldn't run off or whatever else. And that's what it, it appeared to me is like Enright was the one that was getting the ball out, especially late when they sort of, again, a bit like Cat Storm mentioned, you know, whether they tired or whatever. But we started to get some flow in the, the last quarter and we got chances from that. Whereas earlier, especially in the second or third, they had us sort of blocked up. And whether the way, that's because we're too tall or not mobile or whatever the reason, we seemed to be sort of getting uh, cramped. We we didn't really get a lot of run. Did you see it like that, CE? Yeah, definitely not enough run. Um, People who know my posting know that I'm not a big fan of the attributing too much to pace of players. That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's more how you play. And... I don't think anyone would have levelled at us the week prior that we were too slow or we looked slow, um, and that's because of the way we moved the ball, um, and it's the way you set up. And we did we did it well against Hawthorne, and we didn't against GWS. Same twenty two players, uh, was it? I think it was. Yep. Um, yeah. And it's just the way you set up and the way you move the ball. Um, GWS did a good job of of um, taking up the. Um, taking the game up to Geelong and playing it on their terms. I reckon as well, late in the game when we when we made a bit of a charge, part of that was also, I felt Mackie and Enright really stepped up that last quarter and gave us a hell of a lot of drive through through the back half. And I don't know if we were playing a bit safe earlier or, or what it was, but they seemed to be streaming through the middle of the ground through the defensive 50 and launching sort of attack after attack and I don't know if it was just those two picked up or or potentially it was just a combination of everything if it was the the GWS mids dropping off a bit which and which probably would be happening with the the new interchange cap and everything allowed them that extra bit of space and then their uh, that little bit of freedom obviously they're good enough players to to take advantage of it that was that was a thought that I had um, in that last quarter in particular um, and I thought as well, obviously, I was a big rap for Stanley's game. I thought he played really... I thought he was probably up until halftime he was nearly our best player. Um, just his ability to take the game on, I was really impressed with. Just the way he gets the ball, and obviously as a ruckman. I'm pretty sure I saw him running away from one of the GWS midfielders at one point. Just tucked it under his arm, looked and ran off and... He was he was a target when he was forward. He took a couple of grabs and he and he looked good. But Mumford killed us. That was for me. That's where our biggest problem was. Mumford had a very good game or a very influential game. Um, just his well, crash, killed a couple of us. His crash and bash, <laughs> but his pressure and his crash and bash. And I think when he's playing that type of game, it helps the GWS midfielders walk that bit taller. As oh, well. for sure. Yeah, the last I think last year it was obvious when Munford got injured and he was out of the side. They 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 really dropped off, didn't they? Yeah. Yes, they still. I don't think if Munford got injured this week and they bring in Simpson, it's not going to give him the same sort of effect. <laughs> no, <laughs> not quite. Poor old Dawes. Poor old Dawes. At least he can train his dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I suppose that it leads to a another discussion and another issue which is, has popped up, and obviously uh, Mumford's steamrolling Mitch Duncan, who I believe they've just managed to get his body out of the ground that he was buried in in Monica, so hopefully he's back and right for, uh, for Sunday. But what, personally, I didn't have an issue with the bump, but what 
has uh, given you a lot of work, Cat Empire, to uh, a lot of moving of posts has occurred, <laughs> and, and quite a discussion has quite a discussion has come from it, and uh, it would be remiss of us not to touch on it. And Cat Storm's prepared for this, so yes, he is. The floor is yours, mate. <laughs> What, what were your thoughts on it? Oh. Um, well, I know your stance on it, but go yes, nuts. Do. <laughs> well, first off, I'll start off with the, the legality of the hit. I mean, so we've got here in the laws of the game, having got the point here, 15.4.5. Prohibited contact and payment of free kicks. So there's a, couple, there's a bit of preamble, but then it gets to this part. A player makes prohibited contact with an opposition player if the player, A makes contact or attempts to make contact with any part of their body with an opposition player in a manner likely to cause injury. One, above the shoulders, including the top of the shoulders. Right there. We're done now. Any part of the body. So whether you say his head, he hit his head with his chest or his shoulder, it, it really doesn't matter. The law is very, very clear. There is no room for debate there. So that's a kick, though, isn't it? Free kick, cats. Yeah, that's, that's, that's absolutely. That's not, not talking about whether he should be suspend, uh, reported for it. Well, that's where you come into it. If it's a free kick, you're saying it's an illegal action, correct? That's right, yep. So if it's an illegal action that causes an injury, which obviously it did because he, ne- he went off and didn't come back on, so he was concussed, well, then you have to decide if it is or it isn't reportable. So as far as I see it, if it's an illegal act, which by the rules it clearly is, and it caused massive injury, well, maybe not massive, that could be a bit of an exaggeration, but it it definitely caused injury, then I feel it has to be reportable. So at the time, did you, was your initial, your initial, um, what were your initial thoughts? Would you think straight away, that's too high, that should be a free kick, that's... Because when thought- I first saw it, honestly, when I first saw it, my first thoughts were, "Jesus, that's a big hit." Play on, didn't I? Wouldn't have even if if one of our blokes, if Tom Hawkins had done that to one of their midfielders, I would have been dirty if a free kick had been paid against him. I wouldn't, and and I would be filthy if if he'd been reported. And I've played not a high level of footy, but I've played footy. Accidents happen. Someone runs into you. They get you a touch high. It doesn't necessarily mean it's. It sounds. I know by the letter of the law, it may be a free kick. But in the heat of the moment, when the umpire, you've got half a second to see. People can get Was it hit an high. And I. Oh, well, what other option does Mumford have? I know people well, have said he's. He, he saw it coming. Yeah, he, he tackled him up. Blo- and he tackled uh, him. He wrapped his arms around what him. Should, what he should have done was the old school WWE edge move and speared him. Well, but I mean, oh, geez, he would have literally cut him in half. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that would have been a. Where, where do you stand, see? I. Yes. Cut yeah. Him um, I, I look. If it was a free kick, it would have been a bloody good get by the umpire, given how fast it happened. And I, I think just watching it live, I just thought that's a massive tackle, and he's just got him. He's got him properly. Um, I can see that technically it might be a free kick because he did get him high and you can see that on the replay, but I think there is attack throughout the game that where players get taken high and it's 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 play on, it's not it's not a discreet incident where you can say, Yeah, there was something there that where the player got high. In terms of whether it's a report, I think I, I, I just can't see it. Um, I think it's normal for supporters to react in the way some of the supporters have reacted because one of our players got knocked out, and that's fair enough. Um, but the di- the difficulty here is that Mumford tackled him, and it's a legitimate part of the game to do that. Um, he If he turned his body and put his shoulder through him, then we all would take a different view. But um, the only thing that's causing us to question this is because of the focus on head contact by the, uh, by the AFL recently and um, the concussion issues, which is... Absolutely appropriate for the AFL to take that approach, but there's a certain contact that's going to occur in the game that is just unavoidable by the nature of the game that we play and we love. Um, it's just it's just going to happen, and you have to accept it. 
That's, that's probably what I was trying to say, but yeah. worded much better. I, I I agree. If he'd turned his shoulder at the last minute and like drilled him, it, it, we would have been up in arms. But the fact that he met him just wrapped his arms around him, I find it just hard to... I just thought it was a good tackle. I'd love to see yeah. our guys tackle with that intent and and do that. But well, to you me, know, it was just to me, it was just play on. Yeah, and yeah, I, I wasn't unhappy with play on. I, I mean, that that to me, if if I got kicked the ball, I'd be more you know spewy at the guy that kicked me and set me up than the bloke who tackled me because the the ball hung, and when you look at it, it just got into his hands as Mumford's arriving. So Mumford could see the players coming, obviously, right? And he didn't line him up. He didn't turn around and sort of, like, square him up and go through like a train. He's basically tackled him front on. Now, that he's hit him at, at a fair degree of velocity, that's what... And the weight. I mean, Mumford's as heavy as you best about get now, you know? The days of McNolan are well gone. Um so at that velocity and at that weight, it, it sure it was like a steam train or whatever you want to take it on a mini minor. But that's, that's that, that. To my way of thinking, is if we start adjudicating because guys are big, heavy guys, and other guys are small, and we've got to take care of them, and where does it stop? You know, that's, it stops when you when you don't hit them in the head. The trouble with rules, the trouble with when we start looking at the technicality of the rules is that every week we've got rules that are 15 metres and the, the umpire adjudicates and the way that he designates, oh, that's a 25 metres, not, not 15 metres. So, like, you know, where does um, the way that he's looking at the rules come in compared to the way they're written? And to me, that, that was just a, a body hit mostly. And if he if he got up if he got up and his head was wide open and it was like Ablett on Bardsley all those years ago, yeah, Mumford would have gone for six or eight weeks for sure. Um, but he wasn't. I so think they're, they're they're different types of rules though. One's about the the way the game looks, and the other is more about player safety and concern for the player. I mean, we've just had the incident up in Brisbane where what was he a twenty two year old kid? is never going to be able to play football again, gets lost driving to university because he's been hit in the head too hard. And yeah. where did that happen? That was a training incident. So oh, It wasn't just a training incident. It's repeated concussions. I, I, be- I believe it was just a training incident that he hit. I mean, like, it was no different than probably Ablett. Uh, sorry, Bartel got whacked by Hodge round one, wasn't it? I don't think I mean, anyone's disputing the the seriousness of of concussion and the the dangers obviously that face the players and and how we don't want repeat concussions and and and, and all of that I just honestly I think he when you watch the footage when I watch the footage of it I still struggle to see him getting hit that high it must when he he hit him front on he slid up a touch that's different to when someone out and out hits a bloke in the head as far as I can see it and it's. I understand, but I mean, you, you can't protect against every single incident as well. There's going to be things that slip through. You know, they don't. They don't. So I, I sort of related to like a few years ago. I, I can still visualise what Grinter did to Terry Wallace, and and you know, you're talking about like full on elbows right to the face and stuff. You know, like you can see the teeth spitting out. Uh, like this, this is nowhere near that. But I think it's hard as well. Obviously, different generations seeing different, uh, that's right, different that's... acts, and you have different expectations based on what you grew up with, what you saw back, you know, back what you've seen in the past, and you you can't really compare that to what how the game is officiated and how it's run at the moment. See, well, I think that's the thing is like a lot of that stuff's gone because of the way that we adjudicate it, and that's good. That's good. Who wants king hits? We don't want king hits in the game. Yeah. But we also, do we really want to take out all heavy body contact? Because, like, a hip and shoulder is almost gone now. You know, like, you can't hip and shoulder like you used to because the accidental clash of, of if you just ride up a little bit too high and touch him in the head, you're going to go. Now, this was almost just a front-on tackle. That's the way I saw it anyway. 
No, that's fair. I can see where you're coming from. It's it's more about with me the inconsistency of the AFL on the ruling. Oh, yeah. They've made it. They've made it very very clear. The head is absolutely sacrosanct. You cannot touch the head. And, it's. And, I think if we if we uh, if we we hold we probably are holding a, a bit too much hope if we're expecting the AFL to be consistent on most things with the way they. <laughs> With the way they uh, officiate and and make a lot of rulings, let's be honest. There, as much as they preach consistency, um, we only need to look at the match review findings from the last however many years to to say that the uh, consistency is probably something we haven't had a great deal of. I got a quick question for you guys: if we come, if it comes out, say tomorrow, which it won't, that Mitch Duncan broke his jaw on that tackle, is it still okay? I wouldn't have a problem with it still. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's the that's the issue really. I think it's what what was the act by Mumford? It was a tackle. He was trying to legitimately execute a part of the game, and unless we're going to say that there's an onus on the player laying the tackle to go go softer than he has to um, in order to protect the head, which is that, that might be an option open to the AFL to do that. I hope they don't, but it might be open to them. Unless they do that, then what he did was a legitimate part of the game. It, the, the consequences, be that a concussion or a broken jaw, I don't think are the issue. It's a, it certainly is an interesting discussion, though, and, it, and I'm... Happily surprised, not you know, I've been surprised, but happily surprised that it has popped up at least because uh, when I saw it, I didn't think there was an issue, and now it's it's just it's interesting to see, and it's it's probably what big footy is really all about, this type of thing where you've got the different opinions and and people putting their case forward, and I'm happy to be reading a discussion like this as opposed to you know page three hundred and seventy five of the Chris Scott thread. <laughs> Now we've also had, looking forward, it's time for us to look forward. We've got Brisbane this week, uh, Sunday, the worst possible time frame for a game. Sunday twilight, 4.40 in Geelong, our first home game. Um, We have today announced that Ruggles, Tom Ruggles, has been elevated to to the senior list. do we think that, uh, or I suppose, what do we think of that that decision, and and do we think that is, shot, you know, basically saying that he will be? Are we expecting him to be him to be selected this Sunday, Turbo? Look, I, I think as we might have briefly talked about, I don't think in the past we've always consistently played the the rookie that's been elevated, but I think we might this time. You know, whether it's because he's a local boy and. Uh, it's convenient to do it, like have the debut this week, or whether they just really want to um, reshuffle the, the back line and have a, a slightly different setup, or move Guthrie more into the middle. Not sure, but I think they might. Um, I, watching the the VFL practice game the other day, I think Ruggles really can see that he's a nousy type player. You know, like the rest of them. There are some guys there that are really just sort of struggling to play at that level, whereas he really used his body well and he could get himself into position, hits targets most of the time, even though he's not certainly not a Duncan or a Thurlow when he kicks the ball, but he's, he's, he, he gets it to where he's aiming. So I wouldn't be surprised if he plays this way. For who? That's a, for who? Good question. Yeah, are I'm, we expecting changes for this week? Well, I'm, hope, I'm hoping they'll actually drop Lonigan for Ruggles because I think we're far too tall on the back line. Do you think Lonigan deserves to be dropped? Or is it more just a horses for courses and he's the... Like, I, I think, it, I think it, it, is Lonigan going to be at the club next year? No. I think that's what it comes down to at this point. Is he going to be there next year? Is he that much better than the next best person in his position that... We play him now instead of Henderson. It's an interesting, it's an interesting discussion. I've seen it mentioned a few times this week on the board that people saying to to, to drop 
Lonigan. It's not something I'd actually really considered, so I don't know. I haven't put enough thought into it to. to well, I think it would, would have. I wouldn't it would do it at this stage. It would probably have Lonigan or Mac. Sorry. Those are really the only two options because I think we're fairly set with Collar Jasney back there. We, we want to keep him in the team because we see a lot of potential there. Harry Taylor's not getting dropped, and I just I just don't see us getting rid of Henderson after we've given up a first-round pick for him. And I know that's... You, is he worth it, even though we've paid for him, that we should keep playing him, but I can't see us dropping him. It's a, it's an interesting one when you compare it with with the pick we gave up for him versus output, and, and, and people say, oh, we won't drop him because we paid this, but I, I mean, as much as what we paid is what we paid, that's in the past, and Ned should be getting picked on what he's doing at the moment. If he's not playing well enough, then he gets dropped. That's the way I'd look at it, but that's probably not the way the powers that be potentially look at it, look at it one, either. Just back on the GWS thing, one thing I noticed, and this stuck out with me, it was a, a mark that Patton took 20 metres out from goal. Now our back line is just, it's, it's tall. We have Taylor, we've got one again, and we've got Henderson. And yet he took a one-on-one contested mark against Mackie, and I don't I know that how that too. happened. I don't know how it happened. How did that match up eventuate? And it wasn't yeah. even—I don't even think it was super quick ball movement that just no, it caught wasn't. it out. It was a slow st- stoppage set up and a long kick in from a from a free kick or from a mark out on the the flank, wasn't it? It was exactly. I remember that exact thing, and I thought, "How the?" And there was other words in there. Did Mackie end up on him? Yep, I was thinking the exact same thing. Look, I'm just going back to Ruggles. I'm, <clears throat> I'm glad that we're at least seeing he's in the mix. Um, I actually thought we might see him from round one um, after his preseason. I thought he he showed plenty, and he's just the type of player we need. Um, not so much, I don't think, to replace at all because I think um, my views are well known on that. But Geelong likes to play the tall, tall back line, and I can't see that changing. I don't think we've seen anything in the first two rounds that suggests that that needs to be revisited, or at least that the club would revisit it. Um, but I do think the another one of um, you know, my, my pets is, um, is is Guthrie playing in the back line. At the moment, I think we can see that the match committee are just torn. They they know they need him back there, but they really want to have him in the midfield and they keep um, pushing him into the midfield when they get the opportunity. And if we uncover a player who can spend more time, a small medium who can spend more time back there and hold down a position, that releases Guthrie to play more time in the midfield, which can only be a good thing, I think. And uh, let's hope Ruggles is able to do that. Have we considered maybe playing Caddy more forward? When I've seen him play, whenever he goes forward, he seems very dangerous. He seems a tough matchup for the opposition. So maybe if we move Caddy forward, that opens up for for Guthrie to move more into the midfield. I've many times mentioned on the board that I see Caddy as a very natural forward. And... And he just—he's one of those players. He just—he knows where to go to get the footy when he's forward. He leads well, which sounds like a just a throwaway comment. But a lot of blokes don't know how to lead properly. I reckon from when you watch properly, and Caddy knows how to lead. He'll lead. He'll he'll repeat lead. He'll double back. He'll throw a zigzag in, and he knows how to lose his man and and get to the right spot. So I would happily see him spend a fair bit of time forward, but I think that he would be doing that anyway as part of his rotations. Um, as opposed to going to the bench, he'd be he'd be rotating forward. But I think most of our midfielders would would find themselves rotating forward, except for maybe Guthrie, who obviously would rotate back. And it seems to be Bartel still is floating around the back line um, a little but, bit. But, but then he'll pop up forward, too. He just seems to be going... Almost wherever he feels like. Yes, he's been um, he's been playing pretty well. I've I've been reasonably happy with Bartel's start to the year. I thought Bartel's third quarter was very, very, very good. I think he he tried to do what he did five or six years ago, and he tried to go in harder to try and lift the team. And it didn't work like it used to because he's not quite the same player he was. But he was he was 
if you remember, he was going in like a manic person, just crazy, diving into contests, going head on against the flow, trying to like he that intercept he got. And then he, quick, he got, did have one really. There was a, a contest in the center square, I think, where he just threw himself through it. Just old school Jimmy just came out the other side of a really heated contest. Um, so I haven't, I haven't been. I think there's been obviously talk about about Jimmy as well, and but I've, I think so far he's been. I've had no issue with him in, being in the team. Um, it's probably worth looking at a player who most of us at the moment seem to have an issue with being in the team or holding his spot in the team. What do we think is going to happen with uh, none other than Shane Kirsten? Are we. He apparently had a job on Gibson and, and did a fantastic job. So the the coaches and the other players said against Josh Gibson on, on Monday, he was probably as ineffectual as a player as we've seen on on Sunday. So is it is it as simple as Kirsten out Menzelin this week, Turbo? Or is there more more to it? Or which way do you see it going? Well, I, I, I'm probably... It depends on the balance of what you do with Ruggles until my way of thinking is because I'm not totally in line with CE about our height. So I, I think I'd be more likely to, to think about moving a, a player out of the back line and, and rejigging that a bit. But if we talk about Kirsten, I think almost he's had two weeks to try to do something and and he hasn't done a lot, but when he's done something, you think, oh, geez, that's that's good. Now, finish it, and he doesn't. So I, I, I think he's almost run out of patience for me. I don't know whether he's run out of patience for the match committee, though. That's the thing. For me, I would. I think it's just about time. You bring Menzel in. If, if Kirsten is the one that has to go to bring Menzel in, then you do it. CE, what changes are you looking for, looking at this weekend? I, I just think Kirsten for Menzel just has to happen now. Um, I, I think there's been a lot of discussion about the job he did on Gibson, and you know I, I don't really care for the for the discussion. I thought uh, it wasn't really. I think it's distracting from the main issue, which is that um, if Menzel's fit, he's in the team. There's, there's just no arguments about that, and so the fact that he wasn't in the team and he was playing VFL points to the fact that the match committee thought he needed the run in the VFL and as it turns out they thought he needed two runs in the VFL Um, but I just can't see now how he's not ready to play and I just can't see who else he could replace Um, Kirsten hasn't kicked a goal now in something like ten matches six 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 matches I think six matches Um, and he's playing he's playing worse is he's had chances he's had chances He's playing as a forward now. You can do a defensive job as much as you want, but the best defensive forwards still kick goals. But someone his size needs to be kicking a goal, kicking goals. Like he's not your small. Like I could handle Jordan Murdoch not kicking a goal if he was playing as a defensive forward with his attributes. But Kirsten's almost second key forward size, second or third key forward size. He needs to be getting on the scoreboard at his size because otherwise I just think you've got you unless I mean you've got you're using um, a, a key position S type player in the defensive forward role doesn't make a lot of sense to me and then yeah. I suppose that uh, I've just inadvertently mentioned another player I wonder where we see Mr. Mr. Murdoch at how we how we're seeing him tracking along at the moment Catstorm. Um, well, it's funny you mentioned that actually because height-wise, there's only a centimeter between Kirsten and Murdoch. Yeah, I thought, I thought of that as I said it because he's <laughs> tall. He's tall, but he's not. They don't play the same. No, no, no. no definitely the same they, height. If that um, makes sense. Wouldn't be much between him and Menzel either, would there? I think Menzel's a bit shorter, isn't he, in the one eighty-six range? Oh no, I think he's taller than that. I would have thought anyway. They Sorry, play, so they play to different, play different yeah, yeah. sizes, though. 188. There you go. There you go. I 
So, I don't think we unless we're getting rid of murder for say cockatoo, I could I could see that. But otherwise, he's one of the few players in our team that has any sort of genuine pace. And I don't like to, I know he's been ineffectual, but then every now and again he just he does something and you go, "Oh, oh wait a second, if he could do that <laughs> every week, we'd love him." Or, or or more often you think, "Wow, he could be something something else, but he doesn't." And he just seems to be some sort of ghosting ability where he can just disappear and you don't even know he's there anymore. It's a bit worrying. He does go missing for far too long during games. And I'm not sure, Do have we worked out what role he's actually playing at the moment? Because I not, genuinely have no I, idea. I don't think the team knows. At one point they were trying to play him as a, a rebounding backman, but he's not really accountable enough. He could do the job of getting it out, but when he's on a player he seems to get a bit torched. They tried him up forward, but he doesn't seem to be able to get the ball, if if you will. And I don't know what he is. He's a bit too reactive as well, I find. I found on the weekend watching, he just seems... I don't know if he's... I don't know if he's not quite up to reading the play properly or if he just can't see it unfolding, but he seems to wait to see where the ball's going and then he takes off for it. But in the obviously at the top level, a lot of like the better players know where the ball's going before the ball goes there, and it, that step advantage is what makes them good players. Where he's always playing catch up because he's not able to read the play at that level. I don't know if I'm just seeing something that's not there, but that was what I that was an impression I got from watching him on the weekend. I think he needs to work on his tackle pressure too because he only had two two tackles on the weekend, and he should be closing people down, applying pressure to them. Absolutely. See? I've probably given up trying to work out what the match committee is trying to do with him. Um, I thought he's he's shown the most promise when he plays forward of centre and close to goal. I think he has a knack of hitting the scoreboard. Um and I think that comes down to what you what you touched on, Willow. That he um, he can overthink things when he's got you know when he's playing behind the ball and he has to make decisions about what to do with the ball or where to run. I think he's a bit more instinctive inside fifty, and he he just has a knack of um, getting on the end of it and kicking goals. And I think if we're going to use him, that should be the role we use him in. It does seem to be a more natural role for him. I think I've said before, I think where he doesn't have to think, where he can just see ball, get ball, and kick a goal if he's within range. And I reckon that goal he kicked against the Pies last year was just exhibit A of exactly everything about that, where he just... Absolutely. It was just pure instinct, and it was a remarkable goal. Which How he never won goal of the year... It was an absolute joke. He beat half a dozen of them, basically, and then snapped it from 50. It was just extraordinary. But oh, I kind of view that goal to be similar to the one Hawkins kicked on the weekend. It's never going to happen again. Yeah, so... It, but there was probably, I'd say, a bit more luck in Hawkins than uh, the Murdochs that particular night. Hawk just threw his hoof at it and just flushed it, like hitting a nice drive off the tee. But... Um, I reckon he could try that the rest of his career and never do it. Never get close to doing it again. That's right. So we obviously, we played the Lions this week who, uh, well, they scored 100 points against West Coast, but they lost by 10 goals still. So um, I don't know if that says more about West Coast defence or about Brisbane's ability to score. They they went down to north by about five or six goals um, Saturday Twilight. Where do we Turbo, where do you see us beating them to win the game, basically? Well, I hope they've got a few outs too, haven't they? Yeah, so, I think uh, Rockliffe is not playing and Rich yeah, is in and doubt. Robinson? Yeah, Robinson look, didn't play last week, so it'll be interesting. I think he might be coming back in. Yep. Look, I think we've played two fairly upper end sides. If We've got the the midfield and the 
and the the ruck set up to really do what we're hoping to do, then it should show this week. We should actually start to rip it out of the centre and score a bit more frequently from that centre break and really hurt them because their midfield power's down. Yep. So I, I think anything less than six or eight goals win, you, you'd be sort of starting to ask questions. You know, we should do at least that. You would hope so, definitely. I mean, Brisbane, with all due respect to them, are not what I'd call a good side at this point in time. On our home deck, I've, I've, I'm feeling I'd want something more around the 10-goal range, actually. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if we went back of recent times how often we've really belted sides. It's been a while. Oh, we've done it to a few of the lower teams. I think we got Brisbane last year. Did we? I'm yeah, it's, sure it's... we got hold of them last year. Maybe it was the year before, but we've... Yeah, it just, just feels like, you know, uh, it, it's been a while since we've really kept going. You know, like you, you we do five, six-goal quarter and then sort of ease off or just make it work till next week. But we're starting to get a, a young enough side now that they should be able to run the game right out. And if we're good enough... Go right over the top of them. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, yeah, your thoughts? Oh, there's not not much more to add, really. They're they're clearly struggling, Brisbane, and to lose two of their better midfielders for this game, we should really have no excuse um, uh, to give them a pretty big hiding. I'd say um, Brisbane, I think, have lost um, by ten goals plenty of times in the last twelve months, and um, uh, fielding better sides than they'll field this week, so um, and and possibly playing worse sides than they'll play this week. So I think we should um, hopefully go to town on them. You know, I think they they do have a bit of they have a reasonable midfield, but they've got pretty average key defenders as a whole. Like they've got Merritt, who's handy, and and they've got pretty average key forwards. I mean, they've got. Well, let's be honest. If if Walker was still on our list, he probably wouldn't be in the side at the moment. And they've got a second, third gamer in Shacky. So, realistically... Who is he, a talent? He he's, absolutely he's, is a talent, he's a talent, but he's a third But he's gamer. just young, yeah. Yeah, so we, we should absolutely have their measure in, you know, key backs, key forwards. And, and we midfield. Sh- and midfield, that's right. So, I, I would hope for a 10-goal win. That's what I'm hopefully looking for. I don't know what the weather's like. Hopefully that's not going to play too big a part in it, but it's the old thing. If we're fair dinkum, if we're a fair dinkum side this year, we should beat them by 10 goals. Yeah, well, the good teams, and you can see it historically, they they finish the opposition off. They they belt a few teams yep. and you every mean, year. These type of games that are important come the, late, the later part of the year when you don't want to... If you get a chance to belt a team and get yourself some percentage, you need to take it. You can't. You don't want to be looking back, ruining the game where you went to sleep after three quarter after half time and just meandered along, and, and that costs you, you know, a spot in the four or a spot in the eight or, or whatever it may be by potentially by percentage. I guess the um, the the byproduct we could get from a a big game playing against a, a lower opposition is. Um, Perhaps a few of our out-of-form players finding a bit of touch. One would be, um, the obvious one for me would be Motlock, um, who I, I don't think has been as terrible as some people have said. He's had patches of games that's, that have been okay, but he clearly hasn't been at the top of his game. And I think sometimes he relish, relishes playing against these sides where he can have a bit more freedom and um, we might just see Stephen Motlock turn it on a bit this weekend and find some form, which... Is, would, would be really great running into some harder games in the middle of the season. Yep, absolutely. And he seems to be a confidence player too, that if he gets a run on against the lower team, it can sort of feed him and, and fuel him on to bigger and better things against the better teams. Well, we actually, we have we have two games in a row here. We've got Brisbane and Essendon, and we should be absolutely annihilating both of them, really. So that should build us back up. We're 3-1. And, and into who we got on... Round five? Um, I know round six. Port Adelaide, got, I think. Yeah, Port Adelaide away. We've got Gold Coast on a Saturday night in Geelong after that. Yeah, yeah. so so we've got two two what should be easy games. So we, if we could build some confidence into that away game against Port, 
that would be very useful. Yep, absolutely. I think that just about wraps it up for us this for this week's or this fortnight's episode, gentlemen. Um, as always, is there any uh, is there anything anyone else anything that anybody has to advertise or would like to say before we before we sign off? No, that's all for me. Not? No, I had something, and I absolutely I, I thought of something I was going to say at this point during the day, and I've just got no idea what it is anymore. So <laughs> I can assure you it was probably good, but uh, till next time it'll have to be. Um, Cat Storm, thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed yourself for your first run at it. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, Turbo, again, thank you very much, mate. Yep, not a problem. And uh, Cat Empire, thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks Cat for having Empire me. Has, uh, requested the sub vest for the next one as well. So uh, the next someone ta- tag tag me in. <laughs> we've already we might have a spot available for the next one, but I'm pretty sure we might have a, a couple of people lined up already to go. But I may have one spot free. So anybody interested in being involved, um, let me know because. And I also need to thank Daz for putting his hand up again, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't willingly, knowingly let him get up at 3am his time on a school night again without it being absolutely necessary. So thanks, Daz. We miss you, but I hope you're tucked up in bed. Um, that's all. We'll be back probably the, before that port game, I'd say. Um, hopefully so with good news. Hopefully right. with a couple of big wins under our belt. So, okay, it's well, well done, Willow. Thanks very much, all. Till next time. Thanks all.